Welcome to Stand in the Gap Today with your host, the Honorable Sam Rohrer, President of the American Pastors Network, addressing the most pressing issues impacting our economy, our homes, our churches, our culture, and our daily lives from a biblical and constitutional perspective. Stand in the Gap Today, transforming the culture one heart at a time. Well, if I were to ask you to describe God in one sentence, what would you say? Now, according to my observation over 60-plus years now and through various research things that I have looked at, the answer could range from, well, it just simply can't be done, to there is no God, to God is love. Now, according to Romans 11 and verse 34, there is an aspect of God that certainly cannot be accurately described in a single sentence, such as what it says, who hath known the mind of the Lord, right? On the other hand, if I were to ask you to identify in one word, as in God is, and then fill in the blank, God is, what would you say? Now, the signers of our Declaration of Independence, for example, said, God is our Creator, as in, we are endowed by our Creator. And then they appealed to him later in that document as our judge of the universe. All right, when we pray the disciples' prayer, we say, God is our Father who art in heaven, right? But for most people who know God, or even a little bit about God, the most common single word might well be, God is love. And of course, that would be correct, since the Bible says that God is love in many places and describes the love of God from Genesis to Revelation. But it would not be complete. Few people would answer that question with what is in reality the primary, I would say, quality of God, and that is that God is just, or God is righteous or that God is holy. And in this day of apostasy and denial of the authority of Scripture, the justice of God that demands payment for the wages of sin, which is death, is rather summarily rejected as too harsh, too controversial, and instead swaps the gospel for the social gospel and a feel-good version of God is love, failing to understand that the love of God first emanates from God as just and holy and righteous, and that He will not at all overlook the sins of the wicked. All right, so today I'm going to tackle this aspect of God as just as part of our 10-part emphasis on biblical prophecy with Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. This program series is entitled, God Writing History Before It Happens, a study of biblical prophecy, and you can find that on our website at standinthegapradio.com. It's right on the front page there, all of these programs in a series. Now, the title I've chosen for this one today is When We All Stand Before Christ, Biblical Prophecy and God's Judgments, plural. And with that, I welcome to the program right now Pastor Brogy. Carl, thank you for being back here with us today. Oh, it's always great to interact over God's Word with you, Sam. Carl, last month in part eight of this series, you and I talked about the thousand-year millennial kingdom, Christ's physical reign from a physical Jerusalem. I'm going there in a couple of weeks. You're going to be going there later in the summer. It's a physical place. And with God's help, next month we're going to conclude this 10-part series with the new heaven, the new earth, and a new Jerusalem. But the aspect of judgments, with the great white throne judgment probably being one that most people are familiar with, is not well understood. 
And there are several judgments, not just one. That may be a surprise to people. So today, we're going to identify, ladies and gentlemen, all of these, the priority or the order of sequence, the people involved, the purpose, and the place of the judgment. And Brother Carl, you've dealt with all of these in far further depth from your pulpit, and people can find that entire long series, much in depth, great work, searchthescriptures.org. So ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you to go there, searchthescriptures.org. So with that, let's get right into it. Throughout the Scripture, Pastor Brogy, the concept of God's judgment on sin and people and nations is repeated over and over again. There's the concept of accountability. Romans 14, we're told that all shall stand before the judgment seat of God. Others refer to knees will bow and confess. So with all this in mind, could you connect the pieces of God's justice with God's love and the many references to the coming judgments answering the why part of judgment and why God has told us about it? Well, Sam, the scripture says that God has written his law into our hearts. And so in our spiritual DNA, there's a sense of right, wrong, what's just and what's unjust. And people want justice. Well, God has made us in his reflection. And one aspect of God's justice is eternal retribution. When I went into the ministry in 1978, only about 86% of Americans, which was pretty high then, but still believed that there is a doctrine called hell in 2019, Pew did another survey, and it dropped to 54%, with uh, just 21% of millennials saying that hell is real, and it gets lower with each generation. Though I suppose if you could survey the demons in hell, James tells us 100% believe. But not everyone believes in this aspect of God's justice. The atheist says, well, there is no hell, there is no heaven. The agnostic says, I don't know. The Jehovah's Witness says, well, the grave is hell, that's it. The Mormon believes in hell, but he believes in the end everyone will be saved and rescued. The Seventh-day Adventists say, well, lost people go to hell and they're just burned up and annihilated like straw. And so there's all these beliefs on hell, but all that really Really matters is what God says. So hell is real. God's justice is real. But God is not only just, he is love. And so some Christians say, well, God predestined some to go to hell and predestined others to go to heaven. And I would say, well, God doesn't predestine anyone to go to hell and he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Um, this is good and acceptable in the sight of a God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of tr the truth, Paul wrote. Peter said, uh, God is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Ezekiel said, as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, saith the Lord. So God doesn't relish sending people to hell. And I think even in Matthew 21, when Jesus walked down the Palm Sunday road and the multitudes were shouting, hail him, hail him. Before the week was over, they would say, nail him, nail him. And in that same chapter, it's one of three times Jesus weeps. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how I wanted to gather your children together. And so Jesus takes no desire in judging people uh, to an eternity without him. But that's why he came, so we wouldn't have to meet God in that judgment. And that brings us right up here to the break, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us. The theme today is that this is our ninth in a series of 10 ultimate programs on biblical prophecy. And this theme today is when we all stand before Christ, biblical prophecy and God's judgment. Now, believe it or not, the justice of God that leads us to salvation. 
And as Brother Carl Brogy just said, God did not make hell for us. It was for the fallen angels. But we will go there because of sin if we do not do what he has given us in his plan of redemption. Now, we're going to be speaking about on this program the various judgments, and there are more than one that Scripture calls out. That's what we'll walk through today. I think it'll be a real education and very practical. Stay with us, please, and we'll be right back. Does your child struggle to learn in a traditional classroom setting? Do you find yourself wishing you could spend more time interacting with and training them in the ways of the Lord? Thousands of parents feel the same way, and that's why they've chosen to educate their children at home. This gives them the tremendous opportunity to not only ensure a biblical worldview education, but to instill Christian values and build stronger relationships along the way. If this sounds like something you're looking for, why not consider BJU Press Homeschool Resources? BJU Press offers a variety of programs tailored to meet your family's needs and accommodate your child's learning style. Their curriculum was created to challenge your child to think biblically and grow in godly wisdom while receiving an academically sound education. They offer traditional homeschool textbooks, online classroom, and distance learning. Take charge of your child's future by using BJU Press materials. Learn more at BJUPress.com. That's BJUPress.com. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today. For more information, visit our website at StandInTheGapRadio.com. Because God is holy and just and righteous, as Scripture says clearly, He alone is the lawgiver and the king, the enforcer, and the judge, the determiner, as recorded in Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 22. Therefore, in conjunction with being creator and the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, God alone is able to make the rules and enforce the rules. Those rules comprise an insight into his nature, and they are recorded in the Word of God. That's how we know about who God is and what he does. These are clear, and they're very consistent. They are written in the Word of God so that we can know the will of God, the work of God, the way of God, and ultimately the Son of God and the Son of Man, which alone leads to eternal life. Now, into this revelation of God, this broad all of Scripture, this revelation of God, is recorded many references to various judgments, judgments from Israel as a nation to Israel, for instance, as individual Jews, to Gentiles and Gentile nations, to believers in Jesus Christ, and frankly, to the devil himself. So there's a lot, there's a number of different judgments. And Carl, in these next two segments now, and tie in anything that you want to connect with what we talked about at the beginning, but let's identify the various judgments described in the Word of God, their priority, or order of sequence, the people involved, the purpose, and the place. Let's walk down through all of that because they're there, but I also want to throw this in here first, because whatever you say, there's an aspect of this, according to Scripture, how should people view, for instance, God's maybe first level or demonstration of His justice? I mean, like reaping and sowing, is that a judgment of God? Go from that level and then build it up as you can. Lay that out, and then we'll walk through it as time permits on the program. 
Well, there are certainly aspects of judgment that we can experience today. Those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, not to mention, as you just highlighted, there's the law of sowing and reaping. And so many of the consequences that people suffer are a result of the you know evil seeds they've sown. But in terms of future judgments, the, the next big one, of course, well, let me just say, if someone died today, right now, one second or moments after they die, they would either be with the Lord because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, or they would be in a place known as Hades. Hades today is the current hell, so to speak. It's not the final resting place. But the next event will be the rapture of the church. And when we're raptured, all of the believers in the church age will be judged. Second Corinthians 5, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The only people present at that are believers, like in Romans 14. Each one of us, meaning believers, will give an account of ourselves to God. And we know it happens then because Christ comes back uh, having rewarded us. And so that has to happen sometime in that seven-year period. When he comes back to the earth, there will be living people who survived the Great Tribulation. Two groups, Gentiles and Jews. Each of those groups will be judged based on whether or not they exercised faith in Christ. Um, at the uh, second coming, the Antichrist and the false prophet will also be judged. These two men who led an evil movement for seven years. In fact, they will be the very first two people ever to go into the lake of fire. Sometimes Christians say, well, the devil's in hell. The devil has never seen the inside of hell or Hades. He has freedom right now to wage war into Rome. But the first two recipients will be his two men in that unholy trinity. And then at the end of the millennial reign of Christ, there's the final judgment of all time. It's called the great white throne judgment. The only people who are present are the lost. So the first judgment when Jesus comes back to the earth concerns the judgment of the nations. And it's basically two groups of people who are subdivided, sheep and goats. People can read about it in Matthew 25, 31 through the end of that chapter. Those who are saved are the sheep. Those who are lost are the goats. And they show whether or not they are sheep by what they do. Uh, a person is saved by grace alone, but the grace that saves is never alone. Uh, Titus 1.16 speaks of those who confess to know the Lord, but by their deeds they deny him. And so the Lord will say the righteous will answer uh, accordingly, and they will demonstrate by the way they treated the least of these his brethren in cistern, Jewish people, will determine whether or not they were true believers or not. And so some will say, yes, we took care of the Jews and welcome into my presence. Some will say, no, we didn't do that, though they called him Lord. Lord, you know, when did we not do this? And he said, to the extent that you didn't do it to the least of these, my Jewish brethren. So there's, there's the Jewish people that are in view, and there are these Gentiles, and the Gentiles are separated based on how they treat Israel because that will prove and demonstrate their salvation. And I should say parenthetically, this is another argument for a pre-tribulational rapture, because if the rapture and the translation of the church occur um, when Christ comes to when Christ comes back to the earth, then there's no need for separation. And so the reason there's a separation is because the church has already been raptured. The rapture will separate at that point living saints from all the lost. 
But at this time, when he comes to the earth to rule and reign, he will judge the nations based on how they treated Israel. And this will be the highest point of anti-Semitism in the history of the world. The Jew will be the most hated person on earth, and only true believers will distinguish themselves. Now, in addition, there's a judgment of living Jews. It doesn't mean that just because you're Jewish— that you will be saved at the second coming. People take a verse out of context. They'll look on him whom they pierce. That's not when their conversion takes place. That would, one, contradict other scripture. It's not like, well, when Jesus comes, then I can decide. No, they'll look on him whom they have pierced, and because they have been converted, they'll mourn for him like an only son because they have had a new regenerate heart as the gospel has been preached through 144,000 Jewish evangelists. But not all will respond. Uh, Two-thirds of the Jews perish during the time of the Great Tribulation. One-third are alive, and those who are alive, Ezekiel teaches, will be separated. I will make you pass under the rod, the prophet says, and I'll bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I'll purge out from among you the nation, the rebels, and those who transgress against me. And he said, they will not enter into the land, into the kingdom. So not all Jews will be converted, only true Israel, as Paul will say. So then there's the judgment also simultaneously with his second coming of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And they are, again, the first recipients in the lake of fire. And that would bring us to the final big judgment, which is the great white throne judgment. And the only people who are present at the great white throne judgment or unbelievers. Now, it's interesting when it takes place. He sees heaven and earth flee. And then, 21.1, he sees the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. So between the destruction of this current earth and the creation of the new earth, somewhere in outer space, there's this great white throne judgment. And it speaks of God's holiness as being a great white throne You say God is love, he is, God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. And at the great white throne judgment, it's going to be the one judging will be the Lord Jesus. We know that. It speaks of him who sits on the throne, but Scripture defines the him because Jesus said not even the Father judges anyone, but he's given all judgment to the Son. Peter likewise said that, um, and he ordered us to preach to the people. I just opened to Acts 10.42. He ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one, speaking of Jesus, who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Paul, likewise, there in Mars Hill, says God has overlooked the times of ignorance, and he's declaring to everyone everywhere that they should repent. Why? Because he's fixed the day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man, speaking of Jesus, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So the great and the small, no one's overlooked. There's not like, well, the big shots, the prime ministers and the kings and the presidents, you know, that they get a pass. It doesn't matter how well-known you are or how unknown you are, how well well-educated or uneducated, how cultured or uncultured, how rich or how poor, no unbeliever will miss this judgment, and they will stand face-to-face with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. So... You've t- taken and laid out. We've got about a minute left here. I'm going to take and just do a brief summary a little bit, and then, ladies and gentlemen, we'll go into further depth now, ask some questions about these various items. You basically identified six future judgments. 
when someone dies right now, believers during the tribulation, there's a judgment of Gentile nations who survived the tribulation. There's a judgment of living Jews who survived the tribulation. There's a judgment of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And then the one you just described, the great white throne judgment that is after and at the end of the millennial kingdom. It's interesting, Carl, that with these six, there is no one who's going to miss out on at least one of these judgments, is there? <laughs> That's right. No one will escape. And when Christ fulfills his promise for his kingdom, the only people who will be able to enter that kingdom are believers. And that's why, you, you know, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Not only the future eternal kingdom in the new Jerusalem, but his literal reign on the earth and the kingdom of God within you. And so he is doing a time of separation at his second coming. Hmm. And of course, that's our next focus on the next uh, broadcast. All right. That is excellent. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, stay with us because we're going to walk through now in a bit more detail in some questions that may have come up, probably into your minds, <laughs> relative to these six, because we are alive right now. Those who have gone, they don't have a choice. What their decision is made. Those who are yet to be born will have to make a choice, but we will all stand before Christ. All right, we'll be right back. On Stand in the Gap today, frequent guest, constitutional attorney David New, had this to say about the American Pastors Network and our media ministry. The ministry of American Pastors Network is very, very unique. All the host members that run the show are very devout men of God. They have all kinds of guests from different backgrounds on all kinds of subjects, but they all basically boil down to one thing. We're in the business of honoring Jesus Christ. This is a program that is worthy of your prayer support. It is worthy of your financial support. You will be blessed, and those who listen to this program will be blessed. Thanks, David. We certainly agree. And that's why we're inviting you to tune in to Stand in the Gap today. To learn more and see the many resources we offer, visit our website at standinthegapmedia.org. That's standinthegapmedia.org. Did you know that since 2017, Stands in the Gap's been airing a nationwide weekly television program? Viewers report that they never miss a program. One father shared how he's been using one TV series entitled Principles of National Renewal for his homeschool students' government and economics class. What a great way to combine excellent programming with instruction of the next generation about our nation's godly heritage and our biblical civic responsibilities. Whether this issue or any of the wide range of potential themes and subjects, every one of them reflects a thoroughly biblical worldview excellently presented and biblically accurate. You can easily find Stand in the Gap TV across America on such networks as Lighthouse TV, Dove TV, VCY America, most all cable networks, and now internationally on Albanian TV Channel 7. Archived TV programs can also be found on our website at standinthegapmedia.org or on our YouTube channel under Stand in the Gap TV. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. United States politicians lobby for more gun control in the wake of Saturday's mall shooting in Texas that left nine people dead, including the gunman. 
Meanwhile, protesters fill the streets in Serbia calling for government change. International Media Ministries' Denise Godwin says two mass shootings last week left 17 people dead. Eight victims were children at the middle school. Pray believers in the U.S. and Serbia will share the hope of Christ with people who are surrounded by pain and darkness. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization recently ranked 55 of the world's most vulnerable national health care systems. 37 are in Africa. AMG International's nursing college seeks to fill the health care void in Uganda. The school uses top-of-the-line equipment like electronic dummy patients. A Christ Center curriculum prepares students to follow in the footsteps of the great physician. Find your place in these stories at missionnews.org. Mission Network News is a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today, discussing the pressing issues facing our culture from a biblical and constitutional perspective. Now let's rejoin our host. All right, Carl, as we continue on that, the six judgments that you laid out, future judgments, beginning with the fact of anyone who is listening to me right now and has breath in their bodies, for them, potentially, there are six that are before. Those have already passed away. I'll ask you a question about them in a little bit later. But that being the case, you were spending some time on what many people would probably know more about than any other. That's the great white throne judgment appears at the end of the millennial kingdom. So go back and complete what you were saying about that final judgment, white throne judgment. So again, it takes place after the millennium, right before God creates a new heaven and a new earth, somewhere in outer space. That's the place. We saw the person doing this judgment to whom all judgment has been entrusted by the Father is the Lord Jesus, which again is an affirmation of his deity. And we saw that the only people who are present at this judgment are lost people. There are no believers here, only lost people. And so then we need to think about what basis does God judge them? And so let me just read here from Revelation 20. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in them according to their deeds. And then he says, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And again, every one of them were judged according to their deeds. So death in the King James, New American Standard, most English Bibles are is capitalized because it's here a synonym uh, for the grave. And so death has the body. Hades right now has the soul. Just like a person in heaven appears to have a temporary body awaiting his resurrection body, the person in hell, like the rich man, has a temporary body awaiting his final body suited for the lake of fire. But God will bring them together, and they're judged according to their deeds for two reasons. One, their deeds will demonstrate that they never knew the Lord. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works, but we're saved to do good works, Ephesians 2.10 says. And secondly, they're judged according to their deeds because God is just, and he will bring, the scripture says, every deed into judgment, even the secret things. Jesus, uh, Paul said, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. Jesus said every careless word that men will speak, they will give an account on. And so somehow in the perfect justice of God, just like heaven is a marvelous place for anyone who goes, when it's explained in broad terms, it's not the same for everyone because there's degrees of rewards for God's people. Well, hell is an 
awful place for anyone who goes, but somehow in the perfect justice of God, it's not the same. Some people will somehow experience greater judgment than others. And so Jesus told his disciples when he set out the 10, if they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. And in that day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah for those people. He spoke of the scribes who abused widows and so forth. And he said, these will receive greater condemnation. So somehow in the perfect justice of God, all lost people will be miserable in hell, but not all lost people will be equally miserable. And only God will work that out. And then finally, they're thrown into the lake of fire. And it's a place of eternal retribution. Uh, the word that's used for eternal life and eternal punishment in Matthew 25 is the same word that's used to modify eternal God. So to say that God is not forever is to say that heaven is not for heaven ever, to say hell is not forever, but it is. And again, no one has to go there. If someone dies and goes to hell, they will have no one to blame but themselves. And people today some don't even want to talk about it. That's because they're suppressing the truth of God that he has written into their heart and written in their creation. But that's their choice. And some, because they won't respond to the revelation they do have, won't be given more revelation, even the gospel. But the lake of fire doesn't mean annihilation. It doesn't mean, well, you're there for a period of time and you're later restored. It's a time forever and ever and ever that never ends. Even the even the first two recipients who are there are described a thousand years later as still being there, uh, the false prophet. And so it's, it's forever. Scripture hmm. is very, very clear. Hmm. It's very, very clear. And ladies and gentlemen, just think about this. There are two choices. A forever with the God of heaven without any sin or forever in hell, which is real. Wow, what a motivation for us. We'll talk about that motivation and what it should do in our life in the last segment. A couple questions just to clarify here and go back on some of this, Carl. And here was a question that some people may have. All right, if believers will be judged by God during the tribulation period, logical question, are those believers at that point, the believers as of the church in the church age now, or the believers that also believed and died during the Old Testament time prior to Christ? Who are those who are going to be judged, and what will be the determination, the result of that judgment? Well, uh, the first resurrection includes a series of events. Christ was, of course, the first one. A handful of Old Testament saints immediately after he was resurrected, they walked around Jerusalem, were obviously taken to heaven, then the rapture, and then the final gleanings at the second coming. So Old Testament saints today, um, they will be raised physically at the second coming of Christ. So it appears, letting Scripture interpret Scripture, that the judgment seat of Christ only involves the church. So not only do we come back rewarded, the Scripture also teaches he comes back to reward. And it appears at that time that Old Testament saints who are raised and tribulation saints who died as martyrs are raised, that they will be rewarded accordingly before they enter into the kingdom. All right, so that judgment will be for determination of reward. 
Scripture refers to as crowns being given, which we can cast back at the feet of Christ, which is why we should desire them. It's not for whether or not we are there. We're already in Christ, so I want to just make sure that's clear in people's minds. The other thing that people may have been thinking about was, I never thought about the fact that nations can be judged. That's a concept that's hard for many people to grasp. Individually, we can grasp that. How and why does God judge nations when, in fact, is it just nations that will be at the end of the tribulation? Or is God reaching back in pulling up nations that have historically stood against Israel or for Israel? How does God judge a nation and will judge a nation at that point in time? No, so currently, obviously, God is judging nations today, and he gives a warning. Those who will bless Israel, he will bless. And whenever the United States of America has been supportive of Israel, God has blessed our nation. When we've gone against Israel, we've seen immediate judgments in the physical realm, the economic realm, and other realms. That The two are linked together. But in this future judgment that's described in Matthew 25, it's the word ethnoi. It can be translated Gentiles or nations. And so God will gather all the Gentiles of the world, and they are evaluated individually. So it's not like God is raising up all the Gentiles in the United States of America. He's raising up all the ethnoi, all the Gentiles across the world, and they're separated as sheep or as goats based on their confession of what they did with the Jewish people, those who are kind and compassionate and loving during this seven-year period, because these are people who are converted during the tribulation period, that mass number that John sees. These are converted Gentiles, but not all believe, the majority reject, and you will see their conversion is true or false based on how they dealt with Israel. So he's dealing with individuals, every tribe, tongue, and nation is at that judgment of the sheep and the goats. Um, But we stand before the Lord as individuals. But again, that separation has to take place at that time because he can't have unbelievers going into the kingdom. But there's a reason why God waits to the very end of time to do the final judgment at the great white throne. You Hefner has been dead for a while, but the evil that you Hefner, Hefner propagated still goes on. And God will hold him accountable for everything that he has done, and even the influence that he continues to have, though he is dead. And so at that final judgment of all time, God will add it all up, and men will go to the lake of fire according to their deeds in a perfect, just system of righteousness. Okay. We're just about out of time, but a clarification again. You've said it before on another program. We've talked about it. Why can only saved people who have go into the millennial kingdom, why is that? Well, uh, simply for the reason that uh, that's what the Lord Jesus revealed. He, he, when we speak of the word kingdom of God, it's used in uh, different ways in Scripture. God's sovereign rule today over the nations. God has a kingdom. It speaks of uh, the kingdom of God within you. When we're born again, we become, we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. There's the literal kingdom that God promised in the Old Testament, whose length is re- uh, revealed in the New Testament. 
And only believers can enter that because Jesus said you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And so initially he's going to show us what God intended. And uh, he's also going to reveal the depravity of man during that time because not everyone who's born through tribulation, saints who enter in their natural bodies will respond in faith. So ladies and gentlemen, how do we know all these things? Because God has told us in his word. It makes a difference that we understand these things. When we come back, we're going to say, all right, now, what difference should this make in our lives today? For years, faithful Christians formed nonprofit foundations or trusts to preserve their ability to generously give to their favorite causes or ministries, even after their death. The problem, professional managers, pressure from left-wing agendas, and even family members with opposing views hijacked the original donor intent. This is sad, but true. But this subversion of purpose can be prevented. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr of the American Pastors Network, and I'm glad to recommend Capstone Legacy Foundation in Wayne, Pennsylvania, an experienced and capable Christian community foundation established to help you set up a ministry, a giving structure guaranteed not to be hijacked, or a place you can donate cash or non-cash assets like stocks, bonds, or property Capstone's designed to help you achieve immediate tax savings and give you needed time to decide how to prayerfully allocate your giving. Contact Capstone at 610-688-8890 or visit them at capstonelegacy.org. With a woman to look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. As a cringeworthy meme puts it, pets are now the new kids and plants are the new pets. This stops being funny when the preference for pets over humans spill into actual public policy. For example, in the UK, there are now legal protections that require dog breeders to not separate puppies from their mothers until they're at least eight weeks old. There's no such protection for children born of surrogate mothers. Humans are not mere animals. Every person has an inherent special dignity from being made in the image and likeness of God. They cannot be compared, at least in value, to any other creatures, and they merit unique protections that honor their special God-given value. Likewise, the mother-child relationship is the most foundational of all human relationships. Surrogacy cheapens it by commodifying it. Because of the mother-child relationship's unique value, it should be specially protected. Yes, we all love our pets, but they should never have more legal rights than human moms. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. During this week preceding Mother's Day, it's good to think about our moms and give them due honor. What does God say about honoring our parents? Hello, I'm Sam Rohr with the American Pastors Network and another Stand in the Gap Minute. Since God designed the idea of family as one man and one woman in devotion to each other and then a blessed of God with children, we should honor our moms in a very special way if they've done well in raising us to fear God and walking in His steps. The fifth commandment says to honor our fathers and mothers. But honoring is more than just being thankful. To honor includes obeying them as God's steward over us and submitting ourselves to their direction as we would to God. When done well, the example of children obeying their parents, moms instructing their children in the ways of God are powerful. Join with us at Stand in the Gap Radio and TV in honoring God on Mother's Day. Stand with us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. You're listening to Stand in the Gap today. For more information, visit our website at StandInTheGapRadio.com. All right, today, this program is number nine in a series of what will be ten programs dealing with the theme, we call it God 
writing history before it happens, a study of biblical prophecy. Now, if you go to our website at standinthegapradio.com and you open that up, you will find on that front page a number of things. You'll find cover to the book, America's Roadmap to Renewal, which I encourage you to go to Amazon and order. It's God's principles for the development of a nation. Interestingly, it is what God says, if you want a nation to be blessed, you will do what God says. These principles are in this book, taken right off the pages of Scripture, but also espoused by our founders here in our country. And as long as we did it, God blessed us, but God also says, you deny me and walk away from it, then judgment will come. Well, that's the theme of our focus today, the judgment of God, because he lays out exactly what will happen, and he wants to bless us if we keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. It's Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Fear God and keep his commandments. You want to be blessed? Keep God's commandments. Fear him as a holy God. If we want to have the judgment of God in this life, as we've talked about on this program, is one form. We just simply do what we want. All right, that's clear. But you can find this entire series. We started from the beginning, and I encourage you to go back, go on their website, standinthegapradio.com. On the app, you can access it and walk through from the beginning. It gives you a condensed, very practical overview of all of prophecy, and therefore, that is the point. Now, as we always do on the program, we don't try to raise questions and not resolve them. We don't try to highlight some aspect of truth from the Scripture, but not apply it. So, Carl, as we've done many times on this program, and you've made so clear in your preaching to your people, and people can find all of the sermons you've done, very excellent. They can get it by going to searchthescriptures.org. But you've said, I've said, and our listeners have responded to me, they've caught this. And that is that the study of biblical prophecy is not designed by God to scare us, and we should not be afraid of talking about what God talks about. But it's done to prepare us. Now, that is the key. So, in that light, looking back here now, as we talk about judgment and wrapping this up, I want to make an application. Because, very clearly, all people who have already died, they can no longer prepare for judgment. Too late. For all those who are yet to be born, they're going to have to make the same decisions that people listening right now are. And that is, are we going to heed the Word of God and do what He says, or are we going to spurn it and do what we want? So the real application, I suppose, of this entire series on prophecy and today's focus on judgment, Carl, would be that we will all one day stand before God as judge or we're going to stand before Christ as believers, however that's going to be, as we've talked about that. So would you make application now to those who have ears to hear, as Scripture says, those who want to know the truth, how then should we then live now in light of the reality of God's judgment, His holiness, His righteousness, His justice? Well, first, I would say, Sam, you know, God said in Leviticus and in Exodus, you're to be holy because I'm a holy. Uh, Peter quotes that in First Peter 1. We should be moved to holiness when we think of God's coming judgment because it's not our likeness to the world 
that gives us a platform and a testimony to speak to people about the Lord. That's what the Seeker Sensitive Movement has convinced pastors across America to do. And so we've become like the world to reach the world. But Jesus taught it's our distinctiveness from the world. And so if hell is offensive, it should remind us of how offensive sin is. Uh, Just as we can't, we have trouble looking upon the horrors of hell, God can't look on the horrors of sin. And hell revolts uh, us just as sin is revolting to God. And he's called us to a different lifestyle. We're to be like salt and light. And if we've lost our seasoning and our light, we become ineffective. Second, it should definitely make us more passionate in our witness. You see, the sad thing is, is that the doctrine of eternal retribution is very rarely preached today because it's too offensive. But that's why our nation, among other reasons, is going down the tubes. And so a lot of Christians aren't gripped by the fact that their loved ones, their neighbors, their co-workers, their sons, sometimes their daughters, without a saving relationship with Christ, are going to a place of eternal retribution. It was the founder of the Salvation Army who said something. I'm just paraphrasing him, but he said, you know, I'd rather, rather than send someone to a three-year seminary program, if I could take those who work with me and put them in hell for 30 minutes, that would create more evangelistic zeal than any other single thing. Well, I don't have to go to hell to know what it's like, but I do need to read the scriptures and meditate on it. So it should lead us to holiness and it should prompt us to compassion as we reach out. I, I told our people last night, I said, look, we can't reach everybody, but there's someone this week that we can care about, some encounter somewhere on some level where we can reach out. And then I would finally say, if uh, if I'm not sure that I'm saved, I need to make sure that I'm saved. It's not that, you know, we as saved people didn't have all these sins and deeds and thoughts. The difference is, is we're forgiven. And so Isaiah the prophet reminds us that God will wipe out your transgressions and he'll remember your sin no more. And the writer of the Hebrews highlights that same truth. It's not that God has a case of divine amnesia, but he doesn't hold them against us anymore. He wipes them away because we've received the substitute who bore that judgment. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And when we understand that an innocent, sinless substitute took our place, that the one who deserves, the one as I deserve to go to hell, he provided a way of escape. And so I'm not going to hell because by God's grace, I settled my case out of court when I was 18 years old. And I called upon Christ for his forgiveness. I trusted that his death and resurrection, what the Bible calls the gospel, the power of God to save you, was sufficient so that my name could be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that I could not only know him in this life and the rich relationship he offers, but I can know him through all of eternity. Carl, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, for me, my encounter with Christ when he saved me was when I was seven years old. Now, how about you? You're listening to me right now. Was there a time in your life that you know that you came into the presence of God and sensed the gravity of your sin and accepted Jesus's payment on the cross in fulfillment of the promise to justify, declare us free from sin? Have you done that? That would be my prayer. Because in these days when this world is 
well, we say falling apart, but really falling into place if we know it prophetically. It's becoming more treacherous. It's an evil world. But we who know Christ, we should have a hope. Does the world see that hope in us? Well, if we have the hope within us, then I submit that the world will see that hope within us. There's never been a greater time, in my opinion, to share the gospel with people than it is today. May you are listening to this program and all of our Stand in the Gap audience be more motivated than ever because of what God tells us has happened and will happen to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Live for Him. Stand, as we say, in the gap for truth. Dr. Carl Brogy, thanks for being with us. His website, searchthescriptures.org for far more detail and a whole series of sermons that he's preaching on our website, standinthegapradio.com. If you like today's program, tell a friend. You'll also want to hear Stand in the Gap Weekend and watch the nationally syndicated Stand in the Gap TV program. We present the news of the day truthfully, carefully, and consistently from a biblical worldview and constitutional perspective. If you're hungry for the truth, visit standinthegapmedia.org to find all our programs and the stations that carry them. While you're there, be sure to download our free app and support this ministry with your best financial gift. Then join us again right here Monday through Friday for another program of Stand in the Gap Today.